All right, Dominique, I know you all locked in. It's the afternoon time. According to my clock, it's 1.02. Tuesday, the 13th day. of uh, September, a few days before the anniversary, just remember, of Hurricane Maria. Remember that, Sean? I'm sure we still remember. I'm also hearing that there's some storms on the horizon there sometime this weekend. Again, good afternoon. If it's on the block, we'll talk about it. Before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce this sound. And the question might be, is that really true? Maybe my guest might answer. This one from the mighty, mighty Sparrow. London Bridge really falling down. Recent times they see Mr. Sparrow being submerged uh, as a Christian. Slinger Francisco. Dominique, let's continue. We will continue. This is the talk on the block. Talk on the block. And this afternoon, our guest, no stranger to the studio. As a matter of fact, I thought he should be on that side of the of the microphone. Maybe soon, maybe soon, huh? Sean Douglas always does a fantastic job. No stranger. Former press secretary under the Labour Party for a number of years. I still say, and I've said it to you many times, I don't think anybody else has tipped that iceberg. was the most uh, thorough. There was nothing that Sean would not talk about. Especially to the media, he always tried to find the answers. Maybe you might not have liked it, but he did. But he's here in a different capacity because he lived in London for 15 years and the royal family He's one he studied. Somebody just indicated to me, man, I'm yet to leave my home. Just stay tuned. Sean Douglas talking royalty. Good afternoon to you, Sean. It's been some time. What you been up to? <laughs> yes, Matt. Good afternoon and good afternoon to the listeners to Q here and, and far. Yes, Matt, I've been here for, it's been a long time. Um, I've had some issues with respect to the business. I know. I had some critical challenges affected my ability to produce ice cream and, of course, um, revenue stream uh, severely affected. Other challenges, which um, 
I believe I have now overcome, but it's been a very difficult uh, last few months. Mm -hmm. I had to reach out more than ever to the Almighty, um, much more in the last few months than ever before. Um, but I, I think I've, I've come through it, and um, I think I'm stronger as a result of that. So all is good. Mm. All is not good, Matt. All is not good. Um, the, we have serious economic challenges. I believe the economy now is in free fall. Things have really taken a turn even for the worse. Even in the ice cream business? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, clearly, um, there are people, obviously, despite how bad things are, they will still want a, a scoop of ice cream. But I can feel it. Um, in, I can feel on the ground that um, poverty is increasing. Um, I think I would say destitution is increasing. Um, desperation, uh, a lack of hope is engulfing large sectors of the population. It's really a tragic state of affairs, to be honest. I'm sure sometime we can talk about the economy. Mm. But now we're here to talk about the royal family. For the past week, we've heard, I'm sure you've heard as well as many, that we have lost Queen Elizabeth II. Now, we have a new king. How long ago we had a new king? That's a long, long time ago. But we're here. Uh, how important, Sean, uh, just to, I know you'll just, you know, go on with the, the discussion, but how important do you think that the royal family is to the British government? Mm -hmm. Well, Matt, I'll answer that question, but before I come to that, I just want to give you sort of, a, um, for persons to understand um, where I'm coming from, my background, uh, my training, and why, have, why I have come to the conclusions that I will reveal in the, in the coming um, minutes and perhaps hours or so. Um, I think my interest in the royal family really started, I, I would think, well, I'd heard of the Queen for a while as a, a young boy in the 70s. Um, my interest in the royal family really started really um, when I watched a, a cassette, the old VHS cassette, Remember, if you had to get um, watch videos, you had to get a VHS recorder. And Jojo Karam in Cork Street, he had um, videos. So I think my Uncle Mike had a copy of a, a VHS cassette of the wedding of uh, Prince Charles and Lady Diana Spencer, uh, 1981, at the famous, iconic uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in London. So really, um, that's when I started, really, I watched that video many times. I started watching as a young boy, not really aware of anything, um, watching the royal family. Of course, I, I moved to, to England in 1985, and um, one of the first places I visited was uh, St. Paul's, Paul's Cathedral, where Diana and Charles got married. And then in 1986, a year later, uh, living in Manchester, actually, because I first moved to Manchester, I traveled uh, to, to London to witness the, um, the, the wedding of uh, Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson. Um, I think the, uh, the, uh, Prince Andrew, of course, uh, a child of the Queen Elizabeth II. And there I was, a young boy with hundreds of thousands of people. We queued on, up on, in the early hours of the morning just to catch a glimpse of the Queen, um, Prince Philip. Um, I saw Lady Diana, Prince Charles, of course, um, Prince Andrew and other uh, royal family members. Uh, and then, of course, I, I, you know, having lived in England, once you live in England, Matt, you, you, the, the royal family really is in the papers every day, um, in the tabloids every day. So whether you like it or not, you really, you feel that you're part of the royal family. And so I followed all the, in the last, I would say, 25 years or so, followed all the, the scandals, if you like, in the royal family um, in 1995 when Prince Charles um, and Diana had their issues, and Diana went on, on Panorama and said, uh, famously, there were three of us in the marriage, meaning her, Diana, Prince Charles, and Camilla Parker Bowles as the lover of Prince Charles. And as a result of that, the marriage um, ended and uh, they divorced. Uh, and I can tell you, Matt, in the five or ten years after, 19, uh, after the divorce in 95, uh, Prince Charles was very, very unpopular in the United Kingdom. In England, um, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, it was very unpopular. It's only really in the last, I think, 10 years he has managed to rehabilitate himself uh, to the point where people are able to accept him as the King of England. Um, fast forward a little bit to recent times of Prince Harry, that is Prince Charles' second son, um, or King Charles III. Prince Harry married a, um, a woman, a mixed race woman, her father white and her, her mother black. And um, one of the discussions that were held um, and that was revealed by Prince Harry to Oprah was that when um, Meghan, his wife, um, was expecting a baby, um, somebody in the royal household, one of the members of the royal family, a senior member asked, uh, 
how dark will your son be? And um, Prince Harry um, confided that to, well, I think maybe to Oprah that um, it, that comment didn't come from Prince Charles, it didn't come from Prince Philip rather, it didn't come from the Queen. So where did it come from? Did it come from Prince Charles, now King Charles III? Or did it come from Camilla Parker Bowles, the, the Queen Consort? It would be very worrying to think that the present King of England would have such views uh, in the, in the, uh, on, on black people in the, in the 21st century. Now the government, uh, um, uh, the government has decided to um, declare, I think it was yesterday and today, as days of mourning uh, in memory of Queen Elizabeth II. Mm -hmm. And I heard a statement issued by Honorable, not Honorable, sorry, H.E. Charles Savre, S.R.D.H. And I thought it was a well-written statement and quite appropriate. But for me, Matt, I would have stopped there. Um, the fact that, that um, in her 70 years on the throne, Queen Elizabeth II, she has never apologized on behalf of her government. After all, it's Her Majesty's government for the intolerable suffering and pain visited on millions of people of African descent uh, for, for centuries through the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, she never once mentioned in all her Christmas Day uh, messages to the Commonwealth express any regret for the injustices uh, and wild excesses under British colonial rule. Uh, the Queen herself and her, de her, de her descendants benefited personally from the transatlantic slave trade. The palaces, Matt, you have Buckingham Palace, 775 rooms. You have Windsor Castle, all these are uh, royal residences. Windsor Castle over um, massive, how many, a thousand rooms. You have Clarence House where the Queen Mother stayed and Prince Charles up until recently stayed. Kensington Palace where Princess Diana stayed. Then you have Frogmore Cottage where Prince Harry and uh, Princess um, and Meghan have their, 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 their property there. Then you have, um, you have a Balmoral estate in Scotland, a thousand acres of, of land, over a thousand acres. You have um, Sandringham in, in Norfolk, another massive royal estate. So, you know, these are people who were born into privilege. Uh, they came into, into wealth uh, through, we have to admit it and be brutally honest, through conquer, uh, loot, uh, and conquest. And so, you know, we know, for example, that the, the, um, the, the British, um, during the times of slavery and in colonial rule, that whenever there were, there were disturbances, uprisings, for example, you know, right here in Dominica, you had uprisings were brutally put down. In, in Kenya, for example, 1952 to 1960, you must have heard matter about the Mau Mau uprising, uh, where the British soldiers, they brutally put down a rebellion by, by Kenyans, and 1.5 million people were put in concentration camps and um, tortured and, and raped. The Queen herself, actually, um, as the head of the, as the, the head of, the, uh, as the, the Queen, she was the defender of the faith and supreme governor of the Church of England. So the Queen is the head of the Church of England. Uh, during the course of her reign, of course, you, you know, she, she spent seven days on the throne, uh, served about 15, not about 15 British prime ministers, not to mention about 14 or so American presidents. Um, and, you know, clearly she was somebody who didn't give an opinion on, on things. You never really knew what the Queen uh, felt personally mm -hmm. and never uttered a, a, an opinion and, and really showed emotion. But to, to actually in Dominica, in a place like Dominica where we are a former British colony, um, to think that we actually, yes, I think we should not be disrespectful, but I think the government's decision to actually announce two days of mourning for the Queen and given the history of British, um, the past history of British uh, colonial expansion and subjugation, uh, I, I think that it's perhaps um, a bit over the top, to be honest. O o overdone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I understand why the government has done it. We, um, we rely heavily in Dominica on overseas development assistance, um, whether it's for CBI funds, the EU, the British... As you know, the, up until 2020, when Britain was part of the EU, um, Britain was probably the second or third largest contributor to EU funds. And now that Britain has left the EU, um, Dominican Britain, they, they, um, on a bilateral level, there's a lot of cooperation. In fact, the British, I think, at the moment, are uh, financing a water project in Dominica to the tune of millions of pounds. So I can understand 
the political and diplomatic reasons why this has been done. Is it dollar diplomacy? Yeah. Yes, I mean, I understand that. But um, to declare days of mourning, you know, um, I mean, we must not be um, naive and simplistic um, and just think of the Queen as somebody who... Um, driving around in these gold-plated um, carriages and, and Buckingham Palace, all these palaces. You must be, really be honest and realistic. Because even in the UK itself, um, in 2014, um, 40% of the people in, 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 uh, in Scotland uh, voted to leave the, the, the Union, uh, not to be part of the United Kingdom. And um, they, so in, in the UK itself, there's a, a, at least I would say across the UK itself, there's a good 25% of people who are what they call Republican, who feel that the monarchy should be abolished, even within the UK itself. I believe there's a greater love for the monarchy in, in England, um, but not so in Scotland, not so in Northern Ireland. Um, Wales is, a, is very small, in about a million or two people, a million, a million people, two million people. But certainly in England, there's a greater love for the Queen uh, and the royal family. But in Scotland, that isn't the case. So why would we in Dominica, we've given what I've explained in the last 10 minutes, feel that we want to spend two days mourning the Queen. Uh, as I said, I think it's a bit um, over the top. Overdone at that time. But Sean, let's go back to the original question. How significant do you think the royal family is to uh, the British government? Well, as I said before, there's a, a basically a... When you talk about the British government, uh, when the, the Queen every year, um, well, she's now dead, but every year for the last 70 years or so, she gave what they call the throne speech, where she, the government sets out its full legislative agenda for the year. And that speech is called the Queen's speech. And in the speech, you know, every second she says, Her Majesty's government, Her Majesty's government. So really, there is really, when you're talking about the, 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 the government and the monarchy, they're basically one, essentially. Every week, the Queen um, met the, the Prime Minister. Every single week, there'll be an audience of the Queen, the Queen, um, she got her red boxes, government material, government, you know, confidential information. And there's always a dialogue between the Prime Minister and the Queen. And the Prime Minister has always felt um, happy to speak to the Queen because of her long years of experience over, you know, not just in uh, knowledge of the UK, but of course having been head of the Commonwealth for so long. So they relied heavily on her experience and her knowledge. And so um, knowing that, discussing with the Queen, that it would be confidential, and they enjoy that. So I, I, I think there's a, a, the, the, the monarchy and the government, basically, they are one. She would give any advice. I mean, over the years, we've seen some controversy there in the UK. Would she give any advice on, on matters like this? Because um, I've been listening to the reports, and it, it gives the impression that she is somebody doesn't, I mean, I, I don't follow the queen, that uh, doesn't really give an opinion. She's like almost in the center. Yes, um, and it's, it's amazing that she, for so long, having served for so long, nobody can come and say the Queen said this or the Queen said that. Although, at the time of the Scottish referendum in 2014, when the people of Scotland voted by a narrow margin to remain within the Union and to be part of the UK, um, some person said that the Queen, that she favoured, um, that, that the Scotland remained. She didn't want Scotland to break away from the Union. Um, but that did not come from her personally. Um, her, her, her views really were really known. Um, when the, when, when um, the Queen and Margaret Thatcher, then Prime Minister of the UK in 1979-1990, I think the Queen and, and, the, and Mrs. Thatcher had one or two um, disagreements, um, which were never aired in public, but you know, those grievances were aired in, in private. Um, the Queen, at the time, Margaret Thatcher opposed the imposition of sanctions against white minority rule on the PW both ends of Africa. And the Queen felt that sanctions were needed. Um, but all this is just speculation. The Queen herself never publicly made those views known. The newspapers uh, followed there in London. Um, the tabloids you described earlier. A lot of news. And people, I says the readership, really enjoy reading about the royal family. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Matt, to be honest, sir, um, people don't read uh, papers, rather buy newspapers in England like they used to. You know, um, with the technology right now, people really uh, follow the news on their phones. Um, in the heyday, for example, of the Sun newspaper, which is the 
the biggest tabloid, you know, the most popular tabloid in England is Heyday. It sold about four million copies a day. Now I, I think it's barely a million. Um, but yes, people, there's a fascination in in England, in England in particular. Can I speak of, you know, sometimes people don't really get it, but um, when you speak of the UK, we speak of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. And I think England is where there's a, a, the greatest fascination and appreciation of the royal family. Even, but of course, within, within England itself, for example, Jeremy Corbyn, the former leader of the Labour Party, he was a staunch Republican, and whenever the national anthem, God Save the Queen, was being sung, he never stood at, at attention. Um, but generally in England, um, people are, uh, love the Queen. Um, having died, of course, right now you see um, her coffin is moving along. She was, it was in Edinburgh, I think, a day or two ago, moving to London and all that. She will lie in state at Westminster Hall, I think sometime maybe for a couple of days from this weekend. So yes, there is, a, there is certainly, in, in, and of course, I think people, the royal family is, I suppose, escapism. Um, you know, people want to escape from their problems, so they read about the royal family. Some because it's, it's really fantasy, really. These people, really, who um, although I have to say that there are studies that have shown that they bring in quite a bit of money in, into into the UK. In other words, because of the, the tourists coming to visit the royal palaces and all that, so they do bring in a lot of money into the the country as a result of the fact that Britain has a royal family. But John, let's go back. Um to the big story in the 90s, late 90s, um, as it relates to, I mean, you, you're following uh, royal news for a while. Princess Diana, a very popular one at that time. Mm -hmm. Did you get to the bottom from these reports that you read as it relates to her death? Very controversial at the time. Yes, um, Matt, well, when, when Diana died, actually, it happened to be in Dominica at the time. Uh, I remember I was... Um, I, I, I was in the snack it and the television was right somewhere in the, at the, you know, some distance away and it was on low and I just saw on the screen uh, Princess Diana um, injured in car crash, you know. I didn't think anything. I said, oh, well, something, nothing serious. So anyway, I went to the cinema, I went to the movies. And then I, I, um, then I went to drop a young lady home at that time in Glanville. At that time I wasn't driving, so I had to walk her home. <laughs> so when I walked back, to the guest house, it was about 12 o'clock. So at the time, I had a shortwave radio. Of course, in those days, no such thing as internet, really. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, I had a shortwave radio, and I said, well, let me tune in to see exactly, to listen to what's the latest on this Diana story. And then when I tuned in, I heard them, BBC, talking about Diana in the past tense. I said, but why are they talking about in the past tense? And then they said, well, to recap, just to let you know that Diana, Princess of Wales, has been killing a car crash in Paris. And the mat, I almost collapsed because Diana was somebody who I, um, you know, young, beautiful, you know, she, she never wore a dress more than once, an outfit more than once, shopped at the most exclusive um, stores in London, like her favorite store was Harvey Nichols and Harrod sometimes, uh, Selfridges at times. She was just somebody, a fashion icon. And I was just so shocked. Um, at the time, she was dating Dodi Fayyad, who um, was the son of Mohammed Al Fayyad, the Egyptian um, owner at the time of Harrods Department Store. Harrods Department Store was, you know, actually it was sold recently to the Qatar royal family for 2.5 billion pounds. I should tell you um, how big, you know. So she she was dating Dodi Dodi Fayyad, and there were people within the British establishment who I don't think they were entirely happy that the Princess of Wales was dating Dodie Fayard and the possibility that she was perhaps would marry him and the possibility that they would have children and the children would be um, obviously uh, if Egyptian of African descent and the thought of uh, someone of African descent being a, a half-brother to William and Harry, I think... Um, I think that caused some kind of, um, you know, people, they were a bit concerned about that. Mm -hmm. That's just my personal view. It's not I have anything factual about it. It's just my personal view, having studied them for a long time. And um, this car crash in Paris, I know investigations, many investigations, they spoke about this white Fiat Uno that passed through the tunnel at the time of the crash. And it actually touched the, the vehicle of um, that Diane and Dodie were traveling in. Yet they could never find, they could never trace that white Fiat Uno. And then they said that, um, that Henry Paul, the driver of, of the vehicle, Diana was traveling with Dodie and the bodyguard, that they said that um, the vehicle, that 
Henry Paul was, um, they said he was drunk, but CCTV um, pictures showing him leaving the lobby minutes before the accident, saw him walking quite, um, you know, he looked alert, didn't look like somebody was drunk, you know, um, and then somebody spoke about this bright, bright light in the tunnel, brighter than the normal light you'd see. And, you know, as you know, yes, paparazzis, they would, they would, they were following them, yes, but there was a bright, bright light, which is said appeared to blind the, the, the driver in the vehicle, Henry Paul. So, Matt, I am not entirely convinced that Diana died as a result of, a, of this car crash. I, I just feel I haven't got the, I don't, it's not something I can prove. You don't have the facts. But I, I'm not convinced that the, this, this was entirely an accident. I'm not convinced. Sean, let's, let's come back to the anti-sentiments, queen sentiments in Dominica. A lot of people are anti-queen. Why do we revere the queen in Dominica? You, 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 I mean, for the past couple of days, you've been listening. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised? Mm-hmm. Not surprised. Anybody who is um, any Pan-Africanist or anybody who, has, who studied West Indian history, as I did in SMA, thank you to my history teacher, Mr. Volney, because of him, I got a distinction in history in fourth form. Oh. Um, anybody who studied West Indian history and the history of the British um, certainly 16th, 17th, 15th to the 19th century. Um, it's not a very pretty picture, you know. Um, Matt, I just want to quote to you a report by, um, that was commissioned by the Glasgow City Council. Now, Glasgow is a, a, a city in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And this report uh, was commissioned and they, they um, made very, very interesting and, and frightening reading. And it says here, and I quote here, Glasgow authorities have apologized for the city's role in the Atlantic slave trade, seeing the, ten- seeing the tentacles of money from the practice reach every corner of Scotland's biggest metropolis. It follows the release of an academic study Glasgow City had commissioned about the city's connections to the trade in human beings. Follow the, Atl- I'm quoting here, follow the Atlantic slavery money trail and its tentacles reach into every corner of Glasgow. City Council Susan Aiken told colleagues at a meeting on, th- on Sunday on Thursday. Still quoting, it's clear what this report tells us is that the blood of trafficked and enslaved African people, their children and their children's children is built into the very bones of the city. One of the report's main findings was that 40 out of 79 Lord Provosts or mayors from Glasgow were connected to the Atlantic slave trade between 1634 and 1834. Some sat in office while owning enslaved people. A total of 62 Glasgow streets are named after slave owners who build their fortunes on tobacco plantations. That's the history of the British slave trade. And, and, and Matt, the British Prime Minister in 2007, Tony Blair, he did, he did express his sorrow and deep regret for Britain's role in what he called one of the most shameful enterprises in history. But he stopped short of calling, of, of saying sorry. He expressed sorrow, but actually saying sorry, he stopped short of doing that. And, um, and, 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 and that is significant because years, centuries after, over 200 years after slavery was abolished, uh, we still have not received reparations from persons, governments, the British government that colonized us and robbed Africa of its resources, of its people. And so when you talk about the queen, you cannot separate the queen from what happened. It may not be her personally, but her descendants. And mm-hmm. I feel now, now that the queen is gone, the queen has 70 years on the throne, I listened to almost every single Christmas message that the queen gave when I was in England. I never heard, I never heard her mention once about the British government expressing any sorrow and regret for its role in slavery. Um, and that's what I'm expecting now, that Prince Charles, now King Charles III, he being younger, um, slightly younger, I'm hoping that we will get from him some movement as to reparations for the role that Britain played in the slave trade. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll come back with Sean Douglas on the royal family. Royal home grown the best for the upright and honest. 
The Big Station presents Kudos to Our Heroes. Our 12th Dominican National Hero is distinguished educator and possibly the longest-serving principal of the iconic Convent High School, Mrs. Dorothy Levy. We recognize, appreciate, and award Mrs. Levy on Monday, 26 September from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. on Q95, The Big Station. For her valuable transformational lifelong social, political, and legal accomplishments, her pioneering works, and meaningful lifetime achievements as a phenomenal humanitarian who taught and inspired generations of Dominicans at home and abroad in numerous ways, but especially the youth. For her caring character and humility, and for her extensive knowledge and expertise in education, among many other traits, a lady of great honor. She will always without any doubt be remembered as having encouraged her many students to strive to be the best that they can be, to reach out to excellence, and to be the best at whatever they set out to do in their lifelong journeys after their secondary education. Many of them have reached the highest levels of accomplishment and are at the pinnacle of their various careers. Kudos to Mrs. Levy, her wonderful husband Alfred, her distinguished children, and the rest of the family. Mrs. Levy is indeed a true Dominican hero. All right, let's take a, let's take a phone call. I think somebody's been waiting on the line there for a minute. Hello, yes? Yeah, I thought I was at the business office. Hello? Sorry, I thought I was at the business office. No, no, no. You have to call 440-3426, okay? Thank you very much. 449-3095-96-97 are the numbers to call. Again, 449-3095, Here's a comment that uh, somebody just made there. I don't know why he's including me in that, but uh, that's a comment. I think you and Sean are missing the point. The Queen is a symbol of the relationship between Dominica and the UK. This is not about pledging to the royalty, or pledging royalty. In addition, Baroness Scotland was nominated by Dominica and is currently Secretary General of the Commonwealth of which the Queen is head. And she was in, born in Dominica in the Dominican par parentage and almost done, or, or was almost the first person to meet the new king. This is showing respect to the bilateral relationship as it relates to the holidays. I think that's what the person is talking about, the two days of holidays that you spoke about. Mm -hmm. Holidays or? Or morning, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Morning. Yeah, well, Matt, I mean, you get different points here eh, on, on different views on that. Um, but I, I've, I've, got, I've got a text here, Matt, which I think I should read, I think. It says here, Sean, to your point on that discussion on imposing sanctions on South Africa, how could one claim to have an implicit agreement on a discussion of apartheid in South Africa, while injustice continues, expecting unity among the Commonwealth without first calling for justice, the Queen remains silent on many important issues, including the grave injustice of Nelson Mandela, then reluctantly offered an olive branch once he was released from prison and became the first black president of South Africa. Such hypocrisy. Queen Elizabeth was present at this meeting. So that's a call there. Uh, sorry, a message here from um, uh, a caller. And then somebody saying, um, okay, so, yeah, I think that's it, Matt. That's it. Right, somebody's on the telephone. Are you there, caller? Yes? Yeah, this is. What's up, Mr. Telephone? Everything good? Mm -hmm, for now. Blessings, Sean. Good afternoon and blessings to you. Yeah, good afternoon and blessings. I hope you are well. Thank you. Thank you. I'm getting there, Sean. Mm -hmm. um, even if some people have a wealth of knowledge about slavery and the brutality, you will never be able to decolonize these minds because there is a level of self-hate and you cannot deconstruct that. When you hate yourself, you cannot deconstruct that much. So it is sad. You and Sean are not missing the point. We're trying to bring some logic to the insanity as I said yesterday, Matt, there is a natural mechanism built in, in animals, wild ones particularly, and they understand radius. 
how you can how you have to distance yourself from danger or any means it's all a survival instinct and that's what african people lack they does not learn from their mistake to mourn your oppressor to mourn your enslaver people who have raped and robbed and plundered forget about all the formalities having to do with um being a commonwealth and or a former common co- we're still a member of the commonwealth and all of that Math is logic. You're trying to bring some humanity into the argument and say they have not never apologized and they have trillions of dollars. The queen was riding in all, almost a four tons of gold, a chariot, man, pure gold. And all the other wealth they stole from Africa and elsewhere, India and all the enslavement in the Caribbean. To justify or to try to justify mourning or commemorating, it's insane, Matt. It's insane. And that's the level of insanity you really have to grapple with and wonder, how can you see a people who knows better and refusing to do better? And I heard, I heard sometimes it has been used often in closing. He who knows better, or when one knows better, they do better. Not necessarily. The most deliberate and blatant violators are people who knows better. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take another phone call here before we get more comments there from Sean. Yes? Yes. Um, I, I wanted to refer to Sean's comments. And I think that obviously as being part of the Commonwealth, it was in a, a basically a, to show a, some sort of respect in terms of the Queen's um, death. Also, I would suggest that many people go to Google and read up where it says that it is historical fact that slavery was something that happened in all countries. And even in Africa, they were very hesitant in abolishing, abolishing slavery. And I think we should get a balanced view, as much as all we know in terms of what we have done over the last years is basically concentrate on Britain. Yes, we know about that, but we need to sort of expand our horizons. Thank you. All right, any further comments, Sean? Yeah. Well, I take on board what the caller said, but I tell you something. Having studied the, the British, um, British history, I know for a fact that Britain really is what it is today largely as a result of its uh, conquests over the centuries. Uh, Britain's Industrial Revolution was financed, really, on, on, free, on free labor, on, on cheap and free raw materials from the colonies. So that, there are certain facts. I agree that slavery existed before. Um, I agree. That's, that's a fact. And, and there's, there's what we call a modern slavery today. But Britain cannot, es- cannot escape its role in slavery. And the suffering it has caused um, to millions and millions of people, um, those who are dead, and of course, even the descendants of slavery. All right, somebody saying uh, respect to Sean. He's on point. Another telephone call. We have to reach out just now. I think Mr. Pascal, I think the doctor is waiting, standing by to make a comment there. Hello, talk to me, yes? Hello? Yes? Oh, I missed that. 449 We missed that call. Let's try again. Yes? Hello? Matt, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to, to you. And to Sean. Sean, how are you? Yes, Bosso. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. Yes, same mm. here, same here. I just think every country must have a level of discipline and discipline and governance, irrespective of our politics and our disagreement. I think the Queen was head of Dominica, you know, part of the colony. In not everything that happened with England and the Queen and uh, the monarchy that we agree with. But at the same time, in depth, we have to know how we behave and how we discipline and follow the protocol as a country. And I see nothing wrong in, in mourning the death of the Queen, recognizing her passing. And I see nothing wrong in recognizing that as part of the Commonwealth and the former colony of England. I mean, the issue of reparation and all of these things is another discussion that we need to have. And so forth. But we don't take death and make a big, uh, make it like a big fight about that and so forth. So in that case, 
I would say I see nothing wrong with the government itself declaring a two-day of mourning. I don't think we should fight about that because we have a discipline as a country, and I mean, there are people who have their own opinion, and they will express their opinion. This is fine. And democracy is a very tricky thing, a very troublesome thing. People agree and disagree on issues, and sometimes we even take it as far as, as, as being enmity on it, but it's a right of everyone to agree and disagree and so forth. And I would say that um, I don't think we should make a big hoopla about the Queen's death and who, who, cele who celebrate or who don't celebrate. But I think the reparation issue and the slavery issue is another discussion. And even too, I see where you find some countries where we have gone through all of these, our forefathers, and we elect black people into government. And they now, when they get power, they become so, so brutal. I mean, you look at countries where people enter government and they were broke. Now they have accounts in Swiss, Swiss bank all over the place and so forth. And so people are struggling. And we have to look at this whole issue of how we govern ourselves and humanity as people throughout the world. Thank you very much. All right, here's a comment here. I want to read and take my time here. The United Kingdom was built on the backs of our parents. Slavery. Slavery denied the children or the slaves and the children until now the opportunity to own and develop real estate. The slave owners, including the queen, was able to give their children an inheritance while our parents was denied that privilege. Why are we, as victims of the atrocities of the British Kingdom, mourn and reflect in a positive light the achievement of these people or the death of the queen? When are we going to sell our stories and speak to the destruction that was brought on us? We should not be mourning one who raped, dehumanized, abused. Do you see the Jews speaking in glowing terms about the Germans? Mm. Any comment? A end of quote? Yes. Yeah, well, I, Matt, I have listened to what you read, and um, it's all what you read there, it's all factual. Uh, nobody can doubt that. And I want to, in case I didn't say it before, um, of course, it's well known that when slavery was abolished uh, in the British colonies, that the British government gave the, the slave owners um, 20, uh, as a compensation, 20 million pounds back then. That's over 200 years ago. Can you imagine 20 million pounds back then to compare in today's money would be billions? But interestingly, that the slaves themselves got nothing, but the slave owners got 20 million pounds. And Bosso is right, the reparations issue is a separate issue. It's an issue which has been in the air for many, many years, many decades. And I th I'm hoping that King Charles, uh, King Charles III, if he's really serious about his legacy, will begin to address that. That's an injustice, a, a wrong that has to be, that, that has to be corrected. All right. Let's take another phone call. Yes, it calls are coming in. Hello, talk to me. Yeah, Matt, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, how are you, my brother? How are you? Okay, Matt, sometimes last week and the beginning of this week, I heard you keep mentioning about the two days of prayer that carried morning, morning, tight, morning, right? Yeah. But Matt, I find somebody like you should do a little more research. Why I say that is because scary should not have been stepping in in that area. It's the head of state that should be stepping in that area. The reason why I say that, Matt, all Caribbean countries have a head of state. And, um, and I was looking at a ceremony in Grenada where the Governor General of Grenada invited the Prime Minister of Grenada, Dickon Mitchell, and his cabinet and the people of Grenada to a ceremony with respect. But did, did you not hear, sorry for stopping you, did you not hear the, the statement from the President of Dominica, Mr. Charles Savra? Matt, I did not hear the statement. I apologize for that. But however, what statement is that? We want to hear something more broad, Matt. And I'm looking at what, that, what I was amused by, the gen Governor General of Grenada inviting the Prime Minister of Grenada and the Cabinet and the people of Grenada to a ceremony. Where are our protocols, Matt? Where our protocols have gone to, Matt? What you pay in a president for in Dominica in not paying his rule? Matt, it's a shame, man. That's why I'm telling you, Matt, if you don't broaden up your mind, Matt, who can you mock or Because at the end of the day, Matt, Dominica, there is no respect, no protocol. I mean, come on, man. We can do better than that, man, Matt. No representation, Matt. After all, man, what a shame, man. Thank you, Matt.
We're going to take a break. I will call Dr. Pascal, who wants to chime in on royalty. But before we do that, I suspect somebody's here. Let's take a quick comment from this caller. Yes? Hi, Matt. Greetings. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I was trying to call you. You're calling me. Thank you very much, Mr. Pascal. Dr. Pascal. IP. The IP. The IP is fine, man. IP is fine. How okay. are you? All right. All right. Yes. And greetings to Sean. <laughs> Long time. Yes, IP. Yes, yes. Good to hear your voice, man. Weighing in on this important discussion. Well, yeah. Um, thanks for, for, for allowing me to. Um, uh, first, I'd like to commend you for, for the expose and the background you just gave. But my focus really on this is, is really about the contemporary and the future. And um, what, what is done is already done. But my focus is, is going to be more about the present and the future. Now, the, you, you said it, you know. There is no separation to me between the, the crown and the, the government of the U.K. So everything that happens, it's, it's the same people, whether it's the crown, whether it's the government, it's just one people acting in their own self-interest when they need to. And that speaks to the, why the queen doesn't have to say anything. The queen doesn't have to publicly come and say, well, she supports this or she doesn't like this. That's sorted out. The, 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 the government people know what the Queen wants them to do and wants them to say, and they will do that. And so it's as simple as that. But my concern is really how our Caribbean governments and our Caribbean leaders, and especially in this country where I pay taxes, the, 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 how this is playing out. Because the issue for me is that if you can't separate the Queen and the United from the government of the United Kingdom, and you cannot separate the, the slavery from colonialism, and you cannot separate slavery and colonialism from our present underdevelopment, um, or, or the intentional, intentional, what I call intentional underdevelopment. Of, of the British government, by the way, we've been treated since so-called independence and emancipation, and etc. If you look at all the processes, all the processes are, to me, intentional to make you stay underdeveloped. So when the misleadership of the country encourages that, that intentional underdevelopment by not using the opportunity of the Queen's passing, to help us decolonize our minds, as, as Blessing says, to help us reflect on how, on what do we pattern our lives on, to help us remember how we come to be here and what we have to do to prevent ourselves from getting out of the situation we're in. To me, it's a tragedy. So it's not just about saying, well, it's somebody, a human being has died and it's just mourning, it's just the protocol you do. It's much more than that. It's about, not about the death. It's more for me, it's about those of us who live in and those of us who have to live in the future. So for, we, for us to be now trying to separate the death of the queen from our daily lives now and talking about mourning and not talking about redressing some of the injustices that the queen, whether she likes it or not, she's part of it. Um, whether even now there's, the queen has never apologized for anything publicly to do with slavery. Her government neither hasn't. For colonialism, which is the modern-day slavery. So when people say it's slavery, it was years ago, no. Colonialism and the kind of um, globalization under which we exist is the modern form of the same slavery. It's the same mindset. It's the same thing about one set of human beings keeping another set of human beings under their thumb to do what they want, when they want. And when you have... Uh, uh, a prime minister in a place like Dominica intentionally or in, un, unintentionally participated in that. To me, it's a tragedy because if you look at the pattern of behavior of the prime minister, it seems to be it's a real, it, everything is about weakening us, making, it, making us more ease instead of helping us to become more independent and resistant to this new colonization or the new slavery. 
everything is to weaken us and make us feel like making it easier for us in the future to be recolonized or re-enslaved by just limiting the activities of the queen and not saying anything about um, reparations or, or, or how they're going to engage with, with, the, with the king of England and the government of England going forward, how they're going to engage with the so-called commonwealth and all those things, that, that is worrying to me because that is what counts, what the queen has lived her life, she's done, she has pledged her, her life to the well-being of Britain. I've never heard her pledge her life to the well-being of humanity. Every, t- every time you hear the queen speak, she speaks about her country and her people. Not, nothing about humanity. And, and to try to separate the issues, I think it's unfair because everything is connected. The queen was there when they, there was this genocide when the Kenyan people were fighting for independence. She was queen at the time. So we have to tell the whole story, not just what is, is, is looks nice. We have to tell the whole truth and get accustomed to dealing with the truth so that we can then move on. But unless we do that, and we do it as, to me, as honestly and as transparent as possible, we're going to be repeating the same mistakes, and we're going to be reliving the whole history. So I think that is my comment on this whole thing, that it's the failure of this prime minister and the other prime ministers to use this opportunity to ensure or to commit themselves to, to the reparations movement, to, to, to get in the new king of England to act in that regard, at a minimum apologizing for these unju- injustices that were done to our forefathers and the continued injustices that, that um, are being done to us now by this intentional way we will govern and so that keeps us enslaved, that, that, that keeps us underdeveloped. And I accept really and truly it's a human life that has transitioned, and we respect all human lives who have transitioned. But it's not in isolation, and we should... I think that I would like us to start looking at the broader pictures and realizing the connections and stop allowing ourselves to be... To be well, our minds, the little decolonization we've had or the, uh, the little emancipation we have to allowing misleaders to have us becoming more and more susceptible to being recolonized and re-enslaved. That's my All point. right. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. IP. Um, I just want to follow up. Uh, any comments on Dr. IP's? Uh, well, IP uh, was, as usual, very profound and very deep. I, um, I agree with sentiments. Even I think, um, of course, we have 54 Commonwealth countries. Do you think that there are any lessons at the top there for uh, leaders of the Commonwealth from the Queen Elizabeth, who just passed? Any lessons coming out of that? Mm-hmm. Her reign, mm-hmm. 70 years, mm-hmm. stability? Well, well, the thing is, the Queen, um, Matt, she was somebody who, um, because of the longevity of her reign, there was a kind of a respect for her. Um, I think the present, I think King Charles III, um, it will be a bit more difficult for him to, because I don't think, I think right now, I can, I can, I foresee in the next 10 years, 15 years, Australia, um, Canada, and certainly um, the remaining Caribbean countries will seek to remove the Queen as head of state and, and put their own homegrown head of state. Um, and there's going to be a transition. because Do you think that way? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, I, I mean, Prince Charles, um, you know, he's come I and mean, he's been there. You think it's difficult, difficult footsteps to follow? Mm. It will be hard for him to, to, to fit in those big shoes of his mother. Don't forget, after 70 years, she was well respected. Even among the African leaders, despite Britain's colonial past, she was, you know, among the, the leaders of Africa, people like um, Kenneth Kaunda and, and Nereri, and um, a lot of them. Um, respected uh, Mandela when he came to to England in '96, you know they they had exchanged. Uh, he, he went to Buckingham Palace, and I actually met Mandela in London when Prince Charles walked walked him through the streets of Brixton. So, uh, but he will have a very um, difficult task. And of course, even before the Queen died, um, the the royal family has been preparing itself uh, to have a more slim down monarchy, a more reformed monarchy. Not as, as big and just having perhaps about you know, half a dozen or so what they call working royals. Because they realized that um, 
there isn't the same appetite for a very big royal family and the financial costs that it, it entails. Uh, let's take a phone call. We, we don't have too much, too, too much more minutes here. Too many more. It's one fifty-seven. Hello, talk to me. Hello. Yes. Oh, hello. Hello. He's on the telephone, but not paying attention. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Talk to me. Yes. Matt, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Matt, listen to this. While some of us agree to mourn the death of the queen, I heard the, the king saying that it's really about celebrating her life. Now, as a descendant of slaves, how can I celebrate the life of somebody that dehumanizing human beings victimize them, rape them. Not, in, in other words, they didn't even consider us human beings. We were property, so I cannot celebrate somebody's life that think I am, I am the property. I'm sorry, Matt. I'll make it short because I know you haven't got much. Because of, because of time, and I'm going to allow Sean, of course, to kind of wrap up. I'll call into the clock on the wall here. It's about two minutes to the hour. Of two o'clock. I'm surprised that we're getting so much reaction. They're talking mm -hmm. royal royalty, but you know, mm -hmm. it's an interesting subject. But John, uh, let's give you the two minutes to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Matt. Matt, you know, an interesting point I didn't make earlier. You know, it's it's interesting that you have people in Dominica who are, who have largely African descent um, talking about the Queen and they love the Queen and and yes, you know, we all we all do. Um, but what is not known, for example, Matt, is that in London which is about, I would say, f more than 52% of the people in London who live in London are non-white. Um, just under 40% of, of the people in London are what I would call black and Asian. Yet in Buckingham Palace, rather the, the households, the royal households in London, Buckingham Palace is one. Only 8.5% of the staff working in Buckingham Palace and the, house, the royal households are from black and uh, ethnic minority background black and Asian background, even if 40% of the people who live in London are black and Asian. But in Buckingham Palace and the palaces in, in London, only 8.5% are actually uh, black, uh, black or, um, and Asian. When I say Asian, I talk about Pakistani, mm. Indian, I talk about black, I speak about African, West Indian. So it's interesting. People have to know those things, you know, because while the, the Queen, I cannot say the Queen was racist, but when you look at the recruitment in Buckingham Palace and in the whole social that she controlled, um, there were many black people there. By the way, Martin, do we have to wrap up now? I'm, I'm glad I think I, I try to come on this program today to perhaps give my perspective to help to inform, give information, to educate. That's always my, my role, I believe, to give more information and, and, and shed light. Uh, the Queen's um, her funeral is on next week, Monday. And of course, Matt, like many of us, I will be watching the funeral on, on, um, on TV because clearly the Queen... Queen Elizabeth II, she was an icon in the same way that, you know, Mandela was, Fidel Castro was, um, when I think, was you talking about Kennedy when he was assassinated, um, um, Gandhi, Indira Gandhi, all these people are icons. So I'll be watching this thing because really it's like it's a, a certain moment in time, it's a, it's, it will be a historic event, the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. And so I'll be watching the, the, um, the funeral on television. And um, I'm just saying that um, we've know that Prince Charles, now King Charles III, has, uh, he's now king. I'm hoping that he will go further than his mother, um, being more progressive, um, being more progressive and will look seriously at the question of reparations. It's a subject that's been avoided for so long. I think now he has the time now to address that uh, and address that pretty soon. All right, Sean Douglas, thank you for coming with us. I'm sure we will see you sometime soon on a different subject altogether. Yes, Matt. As you say, Matt, Dominica is pregnant with issues. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Sean Douglas. I suspect you wanted to hear this one there before you go. I don't know why you love it so much. Philip, my dear? Yes, Matt. Yes, I remember that song when this Michael Fagan managed to climb this um, into the Buckingham Palace. I don't know how he managed to get through. And he entered the Queen's bedroom in 1981. And he spoke to the Queen for 10 minutes until somebody came. Uh, she, was, she engaged him in discussion and kept herself calm. But that was a very, very um, <laughs> a, a massive security breach by Buckingham Palace where a man was allowed to enter the Queen's uh, bedroom. So that was a big song by Sparrow, Philip, my dear.
Next year, the dig is sell hour. The pleasure is mine in the afternoon always. See you around. Tomorrow. Sean, any, before you go, before you go, any comments quickly on uh, the current issue with Lauren Bannis and the Prime Minister? A quick comment. Quick yeah, comment. well, Matt, I have not read it in full. I had it printed at the blush today. Um, it's about four or five pages, a letter from Lauren. I read the Prime Minister's response. Uh, I suspect this is going to be a long drawn-out affair. The Prime Minister has come out fighting. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he clearly intends to take on Lauren head-on. And um, I've always said what will take out this government from there is not so much the opposition, but that they will uh, implode um they will they will uh, implode from within they will destroy themselves from within and this could very well be the beginning of that let's just hope so next thing you said our